throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared Joe and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fist of cuffs, slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got your missing wave, feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eighth, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and weave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bringing crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry, it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats. Relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Welcome to Throwing Jabs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. I am Joe McGuire, along with Jared Jones and Riley Barrett Valdez. We call him Pride. We're glad that he's here today. Uh, we will be hearing from Jace Garcia before the morning is over. We better. Uh, which will be fun. It, it, it'll just be him previewing a fight, not telling us how he thinks one's going to lay out. So uh, always, always the safest bets. All right, a lot of fights to cover, a lot of fights to preview. we got to talk about this one. Vasily Lomachenko dominated Richard Comey for a unanimous decision. Uh, those scores were, were pretty accurate. It's funny, uh, uh, I was, uh, Jared said, if there's a fight that you want to show your son, that's the fight. And as things turned out, uh, that evening, um, my son happened to be awake. We put the fight on, and it took him a minute or two to, to get into a, a boxing match. He had never really watched boxing before. And credit to uh, ESPN, by the way, for the overhead shots so that you could see and really appreciate what Vasily Lomachenko does. And my son was fascinated by the foot movement. Um, he, I, I thought uh, in that seventh round... Uh, uh, Comey was done. I know Loma thought he was done. Uh, his corner didn't, unfortunately, but uh, my son didn't stay up till the end of the fight. All he saw was the eight rounds where Lomachenko beat him pillar to post. He was asleep when, when uh, Comey took round nine as, as Loma coasted. But, Jared, I mean, I, this is as dominating a win in the lightweight division. This, is, this was just vintage Lomachenko. Let's can this guy go fight for his belts back, please? This is that's the only guy that's going to give him. Uh, that's that's the only guy that's going to do that to the upper echelon. This is a dominant performance. It's everything we said it would be the footwork, the lateral movement. You know, I'm blown away, and it was not the first boxing match I've seen. This guy's phenomenal. He's, he's the best we have to look at right now for uh, boxing and technique. It's Loma all day. Yeah, it's 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 not even close. Like I was watching it. I'll be honest. I give it a clean sweep. But I gave like like everything. If if someone doesn't know how to box, like you said, Joe, this is the fight. You sit them down, and you say, just watch this guy and the red with with orange trim. That's the guy you watch. And everything he did was literally textbook. That is what you do and when you box, which, which gets me even more frustrated because if you started doing this in, say, round three, you don't lose to Lopez. 
and people aren't looking at you different. You know, like, and it's it, everything he was supposed to do, his angles. He was, listen, maybe it's me. He was hitting Comey at some many Pacquiao type angles, bro. The angles he was hitting were just superb, bro. It was like, it's like, look, Lomachenko wants, he wants Lopez again. He wants him. He wants, he wants to rectify that loss on his record that he doesn't feel like is a loss. But again, you put yourself in that position where you wanted to start slow and you ended up starting too slow. And then look what happened. Um, But at the same time, look, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Comey lose to Lopez his last fight, if I'm mistaken? Yeah. Right? So you lose to Lopez. And you wanted Lopez, and Lopez says, oh, you're not ready for me. All that stuff, making, making every excuse in the book. You then go and dominate Comey, which I think better than how Lopez beat him. With all that, Loma needs his rematch. Loma Now, obviously, I don't think he's going to because after Lopez lost, he was, his dad was like, oh, yeah, we kept him at this weight for far too long. And it's like, wait a minute. When y'all beat Lomachenko, you said you guys were going to run the division. So I don't get, I don't get how you're going to sit there and say, yeah, we've been here for too long. Yo, dummy, you kept your son here because y'all beat Lomachenko. Yeah, uh, the the comment, uh, uh, Lopez overplayed his hand and now he needs the Loma fight. He he needs that desperately at this point. Obviously, Tank took care of business. Haney took care of business. So, uh, yeah, this... This, this is funny because for Lopez, this worked out a lot like Wilder Joshua did, where there was a mega fight to be had, and now no one no one's interested in you right now. Yep. Uh, you've cost yourself probably the biggest payday of your career. So, well, I, I, Loma fought Kami and didn't, didn't look like he was going to lose unless he, he took a round off. You know, he lost a round. They fought 12 rounds. He lost a round. He fought two rounds with Lopez, got knocked out in the second round. Two out of three judges said, call me one the first round. Like, Loma will outbox Lopez. He's just a bit bigger of a guy. So it took him a while to, you know, I hate the whole slow starter. Let me name some slow starters for you. Canelo Alvarez, Bud Crawford. Six rounds, though? Loma. Six like, give me a break. Baturbiev. Hey, here's our slow starter last night. You see my boy Arthur Baturbiev take care of business? business. Look but, like but, look like Canelo, but fighting a better guy than Canelo fights. But but here's my here's my pushback on that. I don't mind if a guy's a slow fighter. I don't mind that. I don't like, think they're you, slow it, starters, they're tacticians. It takes you a second to figure out what you're in there with and do it safely. Okay, so well, yeah, you, not to mention and listen, you know. Look, Teofimo Lopez is a naturally bigger guy. Right. And he's, he's, and he's, and so with that comes power. And so again, Lomachenko is a smart guy. He goes into that fight. He's going to, he doesn't want to catch one's flush. Right. He's moving around. He's getting the feel. You could, again, you know, people will say he's a slow starter. He's trying to figure out what he's dealing with. And he dominated the second half of that fight like he dominates every fight. Can Can I ask you gentlemen a question? Yeah. So you know how usually they're off ramps, right? When you go in and out of the highway, right? Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. When you're going on that off ramp to enter the highway, right? You're starting slow, correct? It, it doesn't matter the fact that you just had a light and you had to turn left on and you didn't have enough time to get speed, right? You're still going slow, correct? Yep. That's just the point I'm saying. 
I'm not killing Loma for the Lopez fight for him starting slow. That's not why I'm killing him. I'm killing him that he decided not to ramp it up. And we, we've all watched Lomachenko fight. He doesn't. He usually does not wait till round six, round seven to all of a sudden start getting busy. It's usually two to three rounds, then round four, sometimes three, depending on how things go. All of a sudden, the dude is just ripping you apart like he did with Comey. That's the only knock I have on him. Like, like you, he started slow and then kept it going through round six and all of a sudden flipped it and thought that was going to be enough. And it's like, you're taking half of the fight off. What do you expect? That's just my only thing. Again, you're it's coming you're from a the word. Your your use of the of the term taking the fight off, you know, uh, Loma took one round off in this fight, and they they gave it to Kami. That definitely happened, and it no, was of course, I think of I think because he didn't want to. I think he just didn't want to beat him up anymore. No, he felt bad. Hundred yeah. percent, he felt bad. No, yeah, there's I, no there's no debate. He felt bad. I like, disagree with so your. Fine. I disagree with your that he didn't jump in till round six. I felt like uh, Lomachenko against Lopez in round four really started to pick it up. And his his key mistake was that mm. he lost round ten. That was bad. Can't lose the tenth round. No, not not when you're not when you're picking back up all the momentum. That's where he went wrong. But um, these guys are answering each other, though. Think about my analysis of the Charles Oliveira fight that we'll get to later. You're welcome. Um, but where one guy's gonna start strong, the other guy's gonna come on. They're feeling each other out, and how far am I gonna have to push? And if I go five rounds, I'm gonna lose. Let me try to end it in three. They're trying to figure out what and then what happened in that Loma Lopez fight is Loma took about four rounds, and then when he started pushing, there was an adjustment by Lopez. And that adjustment did just enough for him to be able to pull out some of those middle rounds, lose the lay, and be up enough to win. He made adjust. So when Loma made his adjustment round four, Lopez was able to adjust as well and get a round or two after that. How about the great irony, though, of Lopez being shocked that he lost his decision? That's that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I don't understand. When you're in the ring, you know better than anybody else who's winning and losing the rounds. Well, not really. Not necessarily, though. Because, like, it depends on your corner, if we're going to be honest. Wait, tell this boxer a little bit more about boxing. No, 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 no. I understand your boxer, but my thing is... How's it, it feel in there, Riley? If, if, well, I mean, I, I've done street fights, but that's neither here nor there. My thing, like, if your corner is telling you you're doing great, more than likely you're gonna listen to your corner. You know, what I, I mean? would that, never, I would never believe my corner man if it was my dad. I don't think, I don't got, think, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't think his father. I don't think his father has ever told him anything straight. I don't think. I think his father lies to his face on a constant basis. I mean, hey, you're up in this one. You, you got him. You got him nine zero yeah. in this one. Yeah, and no, it's like that, a five four fight. You don't. So yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's not a debate. Hundred percent. I, I I'm with you. I believe his pops do be lying at him sometimes. There'll be times where like he he's not it. Like when he lost his last fight, he, his, his pops was like, bro, you got him. And I was like, okay, cool. You got an L. But uh, my thing is, you look at it like that. I don't know. Would you call your own dad a liar? Don't lie. Hey, I wouldn't because most the worst. The worst you know, one of those for me is be, between round one and two, Rousey home. Don't watch the fight. Yes. Don't watch the fight. Just watch between round one and two in that Rousey corner. You look great. You're yes. Good. 
You're awesome. You're the champion of the world. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. And then yes. watch the fight. Yeah. And you'll and think the, they were coming from two totally different right. realities. And that's, and that's kind of what I'm, you know, that's kind of like what I'm saying. Where like, if you have a good camp that, that keeps it a step, like if you have a Duke Rufus in your corner, or if you have, you know, at the time before he passed, an Emmanuel Stewart, John who Scully. will look at you and tell you John you're Scully. losing. Yeah. Uh, Tony Atlas. Atlas, Tony Atlas, before Petty he went on commentary, yeah. he would tell you, you're losing. Get it together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you have a guy like that, not only do you perform and you feel it, but you got the confirmation from your corner. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm messing up bad. Lawrence but if you feel Clay like Bay yeah, versus, like if, versus uh, uh, Bryant. Like, Man, Scully did some of the best corner work I've ever seen, ever. And you won't have, you don't have to jump rope. You don't even have to come to the gym tomorrow. I need six more minutes. Like, don't show up at the gym. Your last fight, whatever. I need this rot dude, and just dragged him to that draw. Right. And um, that, that's, and that's what that's what you need in the corner. And I'm not going to name any names. Scully actually had a fighter father throw him out of the corner. For being honest with the kid, hey, you lost every round and you need a knockout. Yelled over the other guys going, you're great, you're spectacular, just keep pumping that jab. And went, you lost every round and you need a knockout. And, and got, and got like, uh, like got, I was out of the corner for being honest with the fighter. And the judges read the scorecards and the fighter lost. If he was my telling corner, the kid what he needed to hear. If my corner thought I was in the last round, MMA or, or boxing, Right. I'm, I'm down. I'm down two rounds. It's it's down that I can't win without a knockout. I would 100 expect 100 percent expect my trainer to be like, listen, you got to knock him out here. You got to knock him out, choke him out. You got to take him out. We got to finish this thing. I don't want the guy to be like, yeah, well, I think you're up. You, know, you just get in there and keep doing right. your thing. I don't want I, I, I need you to be legit with me here. Mm -hmm. Um. And, but I think with, with, when I, I'll take it a step further with Lopez, I mean, it's outside the ring, too. It's not even just in the corner. It's this guy's always blowing smoke up this kid's ass. And, Joe, real quick. can you? And he's great. He's so great that he that, that that's not what he needs. Mm. There you go. Hit uh, it right you. on the head. That's, that, that's Danny Garcia. And up and up exactly just like it and and, and that literally solidifies your point it, joe. have anybody seen those two guys in the same spot at the same time that's hilarious i did i did one time there was a mirror involved though <laughs> i you know it's funny i honestly i don't even know what danny garcia's father looks like and when i first saw that comment <laughs> they did show it i was like is he saying that lopez impregnated garcia's mom and then i was like oh no he, he means same kind of guy. Yeah. No, that I get. But I don't, I don't know much about the, the Garcias. I'm not really not a big Garcia fan. But mm. that's neither here nor You know what I do really like uh, is this Juliana Pena. Woo. Because holy smoke. Not a lot of people thought she was going to pull this off. I did throw a dollar parlay uh, on, this, on this upset. Um, I didn't win. And it wasn't because of Juliana Pena. And it wasn't because of Charles Oliveira. And we'll get to that in a minute. Mm. Um, but what an amazing fight. Uh, Juliana Pena told anybody who would listen for the last several months that she was going to beat Amanda Nunes. She was going to walk her down, take the fight to her, crack her a few times and take her out. And people were like, that's cute. And then she went out there and she did it. And, and for anybody who's unclear on this, I don't mean you guys. I mean people viewing. 
I know Amanda Nunes tapped quick. And if you Wait, don't know why, then you haven't obviously read up anything on the fight. This was a designed choke to make Amanda Nunes tap immediately if she yes. could get her to the ground. It was something they yes. had worked on, and it's something she slapped on the champ really quick. Amanda Nunes didn't quit this fight. Amanda Nunes didn't half-ass this fight. I'll also point this out, Jared. It's something we've been talking about for the better part of two years almost. She's coming off a, a COVID diagnosis. And with that thought in mind, I wish I would have put money straight up on this upset because we've talked about this extensively. These people pride, no joking, with the exception of Gilbert Burns. And Tony, fact check me here if you can. But I don't think anybody other than Gilbert Burns, who's missed a fight for COVID, has come back and then not lost that fight. Including Teofimo Lopez, who had COVID and then went about losing his fight. Uh, there's something about, I think, the cardio and the strength that is being taken from athletes more than the missing these events, which right now is, is the problem in football and basketball. Mm-hmm. If, if people are worried about the missing part of it, I'm worried about – you know, I watched a guy by the name of Glaber Torres of the New York Yankees this year. I was about to spray him I up. believe, I think he actually had about early in the year of COVID and then got it again. Yep. <laughs> Glaber Torres uh, was out with COVID. He came back, and I'll tell you what, for a guy who hit 38 home runs two years ago, this guy couldn't couldn't get the ball in the air past second base. Real quick. Uh, and, I, uh, and here's the thing. Listen. He had gotten glasses the year before. He was having some vision problems. The glasses seemed to rectify the vision problem. This guy was making contact, but nothing was going anywhere. And I can't help but think that COVID got something to do with this. And I don't know that we're really looking at this right now. I do know this. The next fighter, I don't care who it is, who's out with COVID. I don't care who they're fighting. I'm taking the underdog. Yeah. There's the um, other yeah, one. Yeah, I was about to say, um, Tony said it that Edward uh, Leon Edwards Diaz. But that's two out of 15 or 20, yeah, I, I think, say, Joe, that we've covered yeah, on this show. That's still You're looking at teams, 10 though. or 15% mm. Ws. It's the same It's the same winning percentage as guys that go up against guys named Bruno. For some reason, it's been a good one recently. Guys named Bruno are like 85% winners. <laughs> There's a Bruno on today's card, so remember I said that. Oh, and I'm, nice. And I'm 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 going to say all this because I thought I thought Amanda was going to win. I really did, and my concern was wasn't really along the lines. Can Pena really make her tap? Because if you put Pena on the ground, she's phenomenal. My concern was before you get to the ground, there's going to be a point where you have to stand there in the middle of the octagon and trade with Amanda Nunes. I didn't know if she was able to do that. She got dominated in round number one, just like Charles Oliveira got dominated in round one against Michael Chandler, went to the stool, listened to her code, made all the proper adjustments, came back round two, and I have never in my life seen somebody with no fear, with that level, stand in the ring, take Amanda's best, and then return the shots too. Because a lot of people, when, when they get hit with Amanda, they kind of just stand there and they're like getting hit. No. She, like Penny was getting hit and she was delivering shots back. So me personally, I mean, I understand what the whole COVID thing, I get it. And, you know, I'm not going to say that didn't, you know, that didn't play a factor for all yeah, we know it could have. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, 
Pena literally standing and banging with, with, in my opinion, the greatest female combat athlete in the history of the game. For her to be consistently to like scrap it enough to rock her, to and then on top of that have the because look, you're, like at that point, the pressure must have been on her, but for her to thrive in that pressure and when she had the opportunity go for the submission to your point, Joe, because a lot of people thought that she tapped real quick, and if you really if you watch the embedded, Pena was obviously she was doing stand up, but there were some there were some of the videos they were showing of her kind of doing some submission game, and. The submission she was really doing was catered specifically to make Amanda Nunes tap. And when when you say that, people go, oh, that's common sense. No. There's a difference between making somebody want to tap and making somebody tap. Like, Amanda Nunes, she wanted to put her in a position where even if I don't have it in all the way, you're stuck here and you need to tap. Just like she did with Sarah McMahon. When she had that, she didn't have it in all the way, but she had it just enough where Sarah McMahon knew, I can't get out of this, and I feel it too. I feel it. There's enough pressure. There's enough torque. There's enough grip. There's just enough where I'm not getting out of this, and I have to tap. Pena did that to Amanda. Does she win the rematch? I don't know, but I'm telling you something. It's definitely going to be closer. That rematch to me, it's definitely going to be closer because Pena, she's on something. She She's on to something when it comes to Amanda Nunes. Go ahead, oh, yeah. Jared. Tell me how I'm an idiot. Um, No, no. I totally agree with you. It's just something I never really oh, I will. thought of until yesterday. Wow, Joe. Wow. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I never really considered this until yesterday. But if you look back at the Ultimate Fighter 1, um, they had Josh Koscheck, Chris Lieb, and a bunch of guys that were trying to trying to make a name for themselves contenders, up-and-coming contenders. And you did that over and over, and then you did all the heavyweights, and then you did a bunch of comeback fighters, and then um, and then you did all the champions from all the other different leagues. But are those necessarily the best fighters out there, the best fighters overall? And it occurred to me, we did an Ultimate Fighter 20. We did a tough 20 that was um, all straw weight females to build the division. So we inherently right then, if you weren't injured and you said, yes, we were getting the best females in that weight class. And now you go back those years to that cast and see Joanne Calderwood, Carla Sparza, Felice Herrick, Angela Hill, Justine Kish, uh, Rhonda Marcos, Jessica Pena, Beck Rollins, Tisha Torres, Rose Namayunas. I was about to say, wasn't Rose there? Because I could have This is So um, it seems like all of these girls that were in that, that was really the top of the game at the time, and they're all taking over in top of the game now. And this Pena, hey, you have them separated as contenders and real deal. And uh, maybe we're on the wrong path here with what Rose and Pena just pulled off. Maybe these were the best girls in the world. Yeah. So um, here's my last thought on this fight. Uh, You know, Juliana Pena took a lot of offense to the fact that people were like, you know, you got to get her on the ground to win. And she was like, you know, people that are saying that are people who maybe really don't pay enough attention to the women's game 
because nobody in the women's game is one-dimensional. You couldn't survive the women's game one-dimensional. I also think there is a person who, and I've thought this for a long time now, that can be demanded Nunez. I think now that you've taken away that air of invincibility from Amanda Nunez, uh, I assume they're going to try to run this thing back quick. But to me, this sets up the Valentina Shevchenko, Amanda Nunez 3. I think this is the perfect time to have this fight. Now that you've seen Amanda Nunez is not unbeatable. And again, if there's ever been anybody who set the ring and threw punches back with Amanda Nunez, it was Shevchenko, who I'll remind everybody, finished their second fight the last 30, 40 seconds, Amanda was on the ground getting pummeled in the face by Valentina Shevchenko. Last Before this fight, that fight was in. the that was the worst fight ending I had seen for an Amanda Nunes fight. It was literally the Shevchenko fight, where the fight ended with her getting she was pinned to the ground and taking just eating punches over and over again oh, from yeah. Shevchenko, and then got the decision. I think it's time that we get that third fight. And I think after she rematches Pena, assuming that's the next fight to be had, whether she wins or loses, the Shevchenko fight's the only one that makes sense. Otherwise, what are you really doing here? Nobody, there's nobody else, there's nobody else that, that belongs in the ring with this woman. Plain and simple. So there you have it. Speaking of champions, Charles Oliveira. Um, I don't want to say upset the world. Uh, or shock the world like a yeah, he did, did nah, but he did. I was, I, I'll tell you what, Jared's Jared said third round submission. I had said I thought Poirier would finish him in the third round. We agreed the third round was about as much action as we were going to get because this the two dangerous dudes. Uh, Poirier, uh, to me, it has, has been the best lightweight in the past year. There, there hasn't been a better guy. Uh, just based on whom he's beaten and how badly he's beaten them. Oliveira was a close second. Uh, a 10-fight winning streak's a 10-fight winning streak, and literally the last eight guys have been really impressive. Uh, it, it, it's sad that we undersold Charles Oliveira, and by we, I mean me. And Jace. Uh, and the rest of the world, and certainly Jace. And it, well, you know, it's weird because I would have thought of all people would have jumped on the Oliveira bandwagon. It would have been Jace, but he didn't. He really likes Poirier too. Ferguson fight because he was for Fort Ferguson. If oh, you go man. back all the way, that's what happened to the Oliveira thing. And I'd like to revisit my. I made a comment that you guys both went, "What? No! Oh my God! Bless <laughs> the most dynamic fighters in the UFC. Wait, Jared, how'd they go again? How'd they go again? <laughs> <laughs> One I of the here. most dynamic fighters in the UFC. Can I have that now for Charles Oliver? Here we are two years later. Can I have one of the most the dynamic I fighters in the UFC? I don't I don't even think that's that was even controversial then. I mean, a few years ago, before he got his, his match, I was like, I just want him to fight one more top guy. Let's see. Because there was still a little bit of question of whether or not that he was just on. You know, like, there was a, one, a couple questions about him. When me personally, look, when I saw him fight Michael Chandler and he made that adjustment second round and that second round was completely different, I was like, look, man, we need to respect this dude. And I I picked Charles Oliveira, and I said the same thing as, as – as, um, because um, the the Friday before the fight, um, that's when I did my predictions and stuff. And I said Charles Oliveira was going to make Dustin tap in the third round. I wholeheartedly believe that. Now, where I kind of was a little struck a little bit 
was round one, Charles Oliveira came out and said, look, I have balls. Like, I'm standing and banging with this dude. He touched me a few times. And not only did it hurt, but guess what? I stood there and I sent stuff back to him. So, like, I'm, I'm watching it and I'm like, wow, he's, he's being, like, you know, he's kind of proving, like, yo, look, I ain't no one-trick pony, you know what I mean? Like, you know, for, I'm, I'm great on, on the ground, but my stand-up game, you need to respect that, too. And he came out. He came, and and soon as and I'm, I'm gonna say this right now. And if I'm wrong, let me know. If I'm standing and a guy jumps on my back, I'm usually not concerned. I'm more. I feel. I feel okay because I feel like when you're when you're a person who loves submissions, more of the times than not, you like to be on the ground because you feel like you have more control there. Charles Oliveira comfortably, comfortably jumping on Dustin's back, comfortably. And then literally looking like he could sleep there with how comfortable he was. <laughs> we need to respect this dude. We need to respect. Now, I'm not, Joe, I'm not saying you got to say that he's the greatest fighter in the world. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But I will say this. And Jared, if I, I know you're with me, I might lose you here. Is it possible that we see a another version of Israel Adesanya or Kamara Usman where we're going to have a guy hold on to that lightweight division because, let's be honest, he beat Michael Chandler and he beat Dustin Poirier, who is the consensus best lightweight. Not, I don't, not even just in the UFC. People have said even in the world. You just beat him, and that wasn't a fluke. That, that way, in no way was that a fluke. I mean, looks who's like you'd do it eight out of ten times. Like, I mean, let's be honest. Like, there's a there's a legit. If he beats Justin Gaethje, because I'm assuming that's got to be the next fight. That's got to be the next fight because sure. Gaethje just beat Chandler. If he beats Gaethje, I I wholeheartedly believe this guy's that Charles Oliveira was going to own the lightweight division for a while. Because I mean, after that, who's next, really? Okay, so a couple you know? things here. Number one, look, the there was some talk this week. Justin Gaethje, for Maybe. one, who who brought up the fact that Oliveira's heart has been questioned. We did it some time ago. Yeah, uh, we talked a great deal about that. His ten fight winning streak. I, I'm gonna give you a couple names here: Clay Guida, Christos Gallegos, Jim Miller, David Tamir, Nick Lentz, Jared Gordon, Kevin Lee. That was the beginning of the run. I'm not getting. I'm not blown away by that list. He 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 then decisioned Tony Ferguson, and Tony Ferguson wasn't the Tony Ferguson we knew anymore. Okay. Then he knocked out Michael Chandler. Got my attention. I'll be quite honest. Mm -hmm. Got my attention. The win over Poirier solidifies it for me that this guy's ten fights past that terrible fight to Paul Felder that ended a stretch of. Four losses in six fights, and several of them back-to-back uh, -to -back against Pettis and Lamas, he yep. was choked out. Yes. And he tapped faster than Amanda Nunes. Yes. I, I, I will give you so, that, yeah. I, so, the, yeah. listen, the, the questions were there, and the questions, I think, deserve to be asked. But now, Jared, right, the sum of the last three parts, Ferguson, Chandler, Poirier, you throw Gaethje in there. I'm done. I'm done. This how is the man. How do you make the argument? Yeah. Yeah. How do you um, make the argument? Uh, I, uh, Poirier was number five on the pound for pound list. If that's what you did for number five 
And like Price said, if he beats him seven, eight out of ten times, I'm not surprised. This didn't look like a pick him fight. Right. Looked like right. Oliveira would beat him most of the time. So, you know, and on top yeah, that's of that, that's all that else is there. You're going to have to start talking about this guy on the pound for pound list. I know he's got a lot of losses. You're going to have to start sooner or later talking about this guy on the pound for pound I mean, right and you know what i mean and, and again and, and joe i like his you know i'm not you know when people are saying that you know the questioning his heart thing with the like i understood that you know i get it because you know you're tapping out quick and then you're considering retire I, I get all of that you know for me all of that gets washed away when on the biggest fight of your career against if i mean one of the greatest fighters you've ever fought in michael chandler i'm not going to question your heart when you got destroyed round one you came back made the adjustments necessary and then knocked out and got the the tpo win over michael chandler to me that's when i kind of go okay we need to pump the brakes a little bit with the whole he doesn't have heart thing because now it's if 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 he's showing us i have heart and I'm going through adversity, we need to start taking that and putting that on the same level as, you know, us saying he doesn't have the heart because we need to start looking at that. You know what I mean? I don't know yes. a guy with no heart who would go to Dustin uh, Dustin Poirier no, and well, literally say, listen. punch me yeah. in the face. Yeah, so here's, here's what I'm trying to say. I was surprised huh. to hear them talking about it this week. I was surprised to hear Justin Gaethje bring that up before this fight. Because it's it's been a few fights now where uh, I definitely don't see that being an issue with Charles Oliveira. So yeah, I mean, I think this guy's Jared. I mean, he this guy was definitely at a crossroads in his career in December of 2017, and to the man's credit, um, he didn't fight again until June of 18. But in that in that time, he he I want to say. As I've up. read, he, he really got it. Yeah, well, he definitely did that, but he he needed to find some love for this sport again. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, again, when you're losing the guys that you should beat, it takes your, it does take your love away. You know, think about uh, Misha Tate. I mean, he loses to Raquel Pennington, and she's like, "Yeah, all right, I'm out. This is stupid." <laughs> Just um, to come back. <laughs> and so look, this guy missed thing. weight. This guy missed weight four times. Uh, yes. Oliveira missed weight four to prior to these last 10 fights. He missed yes. weight four times. Didn't hey, get it was for a disaster. the Felder fight. Yeah, yeah so tough. he's draining himself trying to make 145. He's not making the weight. He's exhausted in the fights. Looks like he's given up quick and has no heart. He's just at the wrong weight class. You move him up to 155. You let him hydrate. You get him healthy. Mm. The injuries go away. Get a few wins and get the losses out of his mind. And this guy is one of the best fighters in the game. I mean, you know what? I mean, go back, look at it. If we're gonna be honest, if we're gonna be honest, if we're gonna be honest, that's a conversation that actually does need to be brought up. Was he really? Because I didn't even look at it that way. Is it? Is it really possible that he really didn't quit? It was just at the wrong weight because we've seen guys at the wrong weight class who just right. don't look right and they look brutal. They move to another, they move up in weight, and all of a sudden it's like a second career for them. It's like it's like a second burst of of second gust of wind. So I, 
now, now that you say that, Jared, Arthur, I'm thinking Arthur, that, that might be what happened. You saw the Baturbia fight last yep. night. Um, and Scully was in his corner. We've had John Scully on this show. And and he talked about a fight that he walked away from and, and all the stuff he did to try to make weight and how he was feeling in the fight. And I'm not going to let the sport beat me. That's how he said it. Didn't feel like the guy across from him was beating him. The sport had gotten him. The weight cut had gotten him. All those other things had gotten him. And we've seen it time and time again. But that, that weight cut can be a disaster. It can be a... Um, Miguel Cotto, where you come in 30 pounds bigger than the other guy, or it can be an absolute disaster where you're right. missing weight. Did you guys see the clip of uh, somebody yelling at uh, uh, Dana White, move up the chart? Is it Adesanya? Move up the, the tax should be 80%. These guys yes. don't care. They miss yeah. weight. They don't care. Oh, Make yeah. it 80%. Yeah. They're back there. They're missing by four pounds, and they're not even taking the hour – they're not even trying to make weight. No. They don't care. Floyd Mayweather versus Juan Manuel Marquez was the worst. He came in three weight classes bigger than the guy and was just like, how much? <laughs> I'd rather have the weight than the money. Yeah. <laughs> the fight over the money. That was it. He just, he didn't, they don't care. Make it 80%. You got to sting them, again. Dana. Make them care. Polo. Paul Acosta shown up figuring Vittori will fight me no matter how fat I am tonight. Yeah. I might as well just beef up. I might as well beef up. And then if you've ever seen the fighter with Mickey Ward, they do a really good scene where the guy gets replaced at the last second by, well, he's 20 pounds bigger than you because he's been laying around on the couch. You know, yeah. like, well, like you've got this whole, you've much. got these team that's like starving. They need to eat. They, they yeah. need to feed themselves. Everybody's trying to make money. Then you've got the opponent comes up 15, 20 pounds overweight, and it all falls on the fighter. All of those people's salaries fall on whether or not you say yes or no to that fight, and you're putting yourself and your career and everything's in danger because the other guy just completely disrespected the game. I'm not, not touching, I'm not touching that Paul Acosta thing. I'm not touching it. I'm being a good noodle. I'm not touching it. Um, I will say this. Um, at some point, if well, I, I'm not gonna say it. I believe he beats Justin Gaethje. I wholeheartedly believe that Charles Oliveira beats Justin Gaethje. Me too. Because I so believe, and, and, and Tony said it, and he said it here right in the head. Um, Justin Gaethje is a little bit too one-dimensional for Charles Oliveira, that, and mm -hmm. I, I agree with him there. Here's where, this is where I personally, of the guys up in the top five. Charles Oliveira, um, the next highest one is Justin Gaethje, who after the Dustin loss moved up to number one. He beats him. Is Islam ready to fight Charles Oliveira? Yes. You think that's so? The, that's the it's the only fight there, really, is why I say yes. Oh, okay. I mean, who do you want him to fight besides Makachev? Do you really want to know what I really hope happens in all honesty? Who's that? Let's pull Bellator. Do a let's do a Grand Prix. Let's do. A, let's send Charles home. Let him go home. Relax for a little bit. He deserves it. What a guy, right? Let's have one through eight, and we're gonna put a spice. We're gonna do it in a twist, right? All the guys are gonna fight in one night. Okay, we're gonna get. We're gonna double the size of the octagon. Put all eight. Let's see what happens. And I'm not kidding about that either. I'm not kidding. 
Because look, I, I like Royal Rumble. I think the kid has a great future. I really do. He's not beating Charles. Not right now. Darush, he's not beating him. Now we look outside of the top five. Makachev. I mean, look, Makachev. Look, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't Probably. know if he's ready. I mean, I mean, Excuse obviously, me. since he's in the top five, he'll get. <laughs> I call him Makachev. Every time, because every time I go Makachev, I always feel like I'm about to like spit up a loop. So I just Joe go sent us straight. Yeah, and if it Makachev. lands on the camera, and then it's just yeah, uh, yeah, it's all good. I mean, I mean, people are gonna say, you know, Makachev, and I get it. Because then if you really look outside of it, you got what? Rafael Dos Anjos, Tony Ferguson, who at this point is just basically retired without saying he retired. Booker, Connor, there's nothing Dan there. Hooker, yeah, Connor, it's nothing. like, I mean, I, low key, I hope Connor gets it so he could lose in the first round, he could just go home. Because I, I feel like I'm, that's what Connor. Like, I'm tired of watching Connor get his ass whooped. I, yeah, I, I don't I, I love Connor, but you got to go home, bro. You got to go home. <laughs> yeah, he's not anymore. He's not. And I feel like if, if he takes that loss, like, if he loses for the again, like if he loses again for the title, that has to be the kick that he needs to be like, all right, bro, I'm not that guy anymore. Well, right. Does, does does Conor McGregor want to be Alistair Overeem? Because that's Ooh. that's where this is heading. Yep. You're gonna end up being the Not guy that out. everybody knocked out late. And, hey, I gotta win over Conor McGregor. <laughs> yeah, I would quit while I'm ahead. Just, just take the money and run, big guy. All right, uh, coming right up next, we're going to do a Who You Got. We're talking about the greatest submission in UFC history right after this. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement that you don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? And how often do you think about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies, doing the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident with your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website or give us a call at 860-430-5397. To a uh, big thank you to JPEX Financial. Uh, we do appreciate their support. Now, uh, we are going to do our Who You Got. This was written by our good friend Jace. Submission game was on full display this past week with Pena submitting Nunes and Olivera submitting Poirier. What is the greatest submission in UFC history? Pride, I'll start with you. So I got an honorable mention. Um, I had to pull up because I can't remember which one that he did it to. Um, but um, against uh, Renzo, Kazuchi Sakuraba, when he made him tap and he became known as the Gracie Killer or the Gracie Hunter. That uh, That every time I hear that, it tickles me. We're not going to talk about how Sakuraba has, you know, not been that guy since. Lost five We're not going to talk about that. Just talking about that. For me, that always tickled me. But the one I always I always go to, the first time Anderson Silva fought the bad guy, Chael Sonnen. Chael dominated him and was almost the champion. And this Hail Mary submission from out of nowhere. Well, Everyone says out of nowhere, but it's Anderson Silva. So, you know, 
out of nowhere, which ended up giving, like help having him retain. To me, I, I call that one of the best um, only because, look, you're about to lose, and it's literally a Hail Mary attempt. It's like a, it's a out of nowhere. It's like a, I, I, if I don't do this, I'm losing. Ends up getting the win. So that is going to be one that I have to put. Um, uh, I saw Tony saying BJ Penn submitting Matt Hughes and then kissing him. BJ Penn was a weird dude, Jared. He was a really, really weird dude. Oh, yes. Uh, Murren Silva, too. Tim Silva getting his arm broken, not tapping. Here's your uh, here's Silva and Sonnen. Yeah. Pull that one up for for anybody who doesn't remember that 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 beautiful thing. Never been a big Chael Sonnen fan in my life. So did you did Jared, what is hear, real quick? Did I hear the story about that that after that arm break or whatever? So Silva was holding it because he was like he kind of was like, you know, the adrenaline was pumping or whatever. So when I guess he was walking out and he heard some fans asking, is it really broken? He lifted his arm up and like bent it and he showed that he showed the brakes everyone. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this dude is a weirdo. I'm like, Tim, like, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Tim's he, he's a bona fide weirdo. You know, they, they, we had a scariest fighter segment, the guy you wouldn't want to fight. And I brought that situation yeah. up. The guy who you break his arm and he knocks you out with the other one. I'm good. I'm good. I'm retired. I had somebody, I have somebody, uh, so I had somebody at work. I pulled into the parking lot. We, you know, and people start talking about who would fight who as scrub scraps, you know. And um, this kid's probably 250, 260, started talking about fighting me, and somebody was like, oh, I'm straight with Jared. I heard a story about him winning a fight without throwing any punches. Anybody can do that. I don't know it, but I... <laughs> feels like a losing proposition if ever there was one. Yo, Joe, Jared literally... Without throwing strikes, I don't want Jared, any part of it. Jared literally had his hands tied behind his back and was kicking people. Like, <laughs> The look on his face when I told him I was going to do it, too. If I take you outside, I'll beat you without throwing any punches. How the hell are you going to do that? And then the look on his face when he's laying on the ground, and I leaned down and went, I told you. (laughs) (laughs) Just exhaust yourself and go away. That's funny. Um, My best submission, I got two. I've got to give a kind of an honorable mention to Hoist Gracie over Ken Shamrock because... This is a time when you had to walk around and tell people what a submission was. Hey, if I get you, just tap on me. Like you had to explain that back then. So I think that's got to go somewhere in it. And I'm just a personal favorite. I don't think this is going to make anybody else's list. But my personal favorite submission, I think, is uh, Carlos Newton choking out Matt Hughes. Oh my God! When Matt Hughes had him against the cage, right? Yeah, if you look up that fight, you'll find out Carlos Newton lost. Lost because Matt Hughes was. But when they hit the ground, they were both unconscious, and uh, Newton choked him out. That was one of the greatest submissions of all time. And then they hit the ground; they're both unconscious, and it was just about who the ref looked at first. Mm -hmm. If he looked down at Matt Hughes, he'd have been like, "Oh, he's out. He's out." Right. Looked at Newton, went, "He's out." (laughs) They were both out. It's funny because you like, had to yo, wake up Matt Hughes and tell him you won the fight. And they raised his arm up. He was like, yo, you won. Hands up. You won. He goes, oh, sure. Where am I? <laughs> like, he literally forgot he had a fight. And it's kind of funny because what people don't realize, the reason they, like, the reason Matt Hughes slammed him was because he passed out. 
That's why he quote slammed. He knew him. he was going out and just he, went and to the ground. Going. He was like, "Oh, oh, my legs aren't working. All right, no, there's a floor." And then he just slammed him. And then, like you said, the refs just happened to look at Carlos Newton first, and that gave him. That ended up giving him the win. So, nah, I, I yeah, I agree with you there. That that one, that was funny. That was a good, that was good submission. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, you guys have definitely brought up some good ones. I'm gonna go to Bellator five for mine. That's where uh, the baddest mother ever on the planet was beating Tony Imada viciously in the second round when, for some reason, he went in for a single leg. He lifted uh, he lifted Imada off the ground, and then this guy. Often you see Georgie Masvidal uh, sleeping. We've only seen that twice in our lives now. Uh, the for one time was against Kamara Osman. This time was against that guy, a guy who he should have beaten. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that move done ever in any other MMA fight. Standing period. inverted triangle choke. Bam. Say nope. that three times fast. I yeah, haven't you know, seen that either. Not one you're Holy ever going to see, especially when the guy was getting pummeled. Yeah. Getting and, pummeled up until that moment of the fight. And to your point, that's not something – that's not a submission that you can go in camp and, you know, train right. for. That's yeah. not something you'll be like, hey, yo, let me let me work on a, you know, a rear knee control <laughs> using my legs. Like if 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 any fighter did that, you're getting kicked out the gym. They're going home and they're checking into yeah. an insane asylum because they don't know what yeah. you're talking about. Like that's not something you practice. So that's something that. So if you're ever in a north south position and you're not facing each other, your legs. Here's, here's what you do. <laughs> and 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 what's crazy what? about it is because like I I I I go back to that submission all the time because I every time I look at it, this is what comes to my mind. There's no way he did he didn't know how to do that before, because just the mere fact that you did it and you did it almost seamlessly tells me at some point you practiced this. It tells me that when you were <laughs> when you were in this position in your mind, you're like. I know what to do. And then when he got up and ran away, you know how when you get a crazy submission or crazy knockout, you're like, oh, my God. He got up and jogged away. So with everything combined, that tells me he has tried this before. Dude, like, you just it, reminded me of the craziest situation. I was on high school basketball once and left uh, left in a uh, – had a had nursing, concussion protocol and stuff. I went up to block a shot. I could dunk when I was in high school. I'm about five, nine and a half. So it was a, a strange sight with my uh, stature, let's just say, that I was that I was up there. I jumped for my team, five, nine. There were guys six, four on my team that just couldn't jump as explosively. Um, but I went up to block a shot and hit a guy just so that his we ended up back to back. Like with his feet up and my my feet up and his down. <clears throat> so I went back to back with him, slid off his back, head first into the into the basketball court. Compression protocol, yada, 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 yada. 
Two or three games, home games later, I kid you not, the same exact thing happens. And I put my hands on the kid's shoulders and chuck my feet over onto the ground. And everybody in the crowd was like, whoa, because I had done that once before. And when I was in the air, I went, oh, click, click, and landed on my feet. Everybody went, wow, how'd you know to do that? Well, did you see me bust my ass three weeks ago? I just, it's just crazy. I don't know what's crazier, like you doing that or knowing that there was concussions back then. So crazy. So oh, hilarious. yeah. Yeah, a little smelling salt thrown back in there. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 back then, if you had a concussion, that was, just, yeah, they would give you salt and say, come on, get tape. back out there. Yeah, like, yeah. concussions did not exist back then. Like, <laughs> put some tape over his ear and get him back in there. Yeah, 100%. Right. Like you're bleeding and they're like, just plug it up. So we got a couple of fight previews to do for this weekend, and we'll do our fight of the night. The punch chance and Jared will, will end things off here with the flurry. But Dace Garcia is going to give us our preview of Derek Lewis versus Chris Dawkins. I hear you, Jace. I hear you. There we go. Features a main event between heavyweight contenders Chris Dawkins and Derek Lewis. Live from the Apex in Las Vegas, it's UFC Fight Night. Lewis versus Dawkins. Let's break it down. Chris Dawkins, 32 years old, he's six foot three with a 76-inch reach and a record of 12 and three with 11 knockouts. From Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, he briefly attended Penn State before dropping out to pursue a career in law enforcement, becoming a police officer in 2010. He took up mixed martial arts prior to entering the police academy and made his professional debut on October 19, 2013 with a first-round knockout of Robert Duvall. He lost two of his next three by stoppage, but then went on a five-fight win streak with four knockouts before challenging Azuna Anyanwu for the Cage Fighting Heavyweight Championship, coming out to a fast start before suffering a TKO loss in the second round. He bounced back with a first-round head kick knockout of Danny Holmes and then made his UFC debut the year following with a first-round knockout of Parker Porter. Two months later, he earned his first performance of the night bonus when he knocked out Rodrigo Nascimento, dropping him with a powerful left hook and finishing him with a flurry in the first round. In February 2020, he took on the dangerous veteran Alexei Olenek, stunning him with a knee to the face and then following up with 18 unanswered punches. On September 25th, 2021, he earned his third straight performance of the night bonus when he took on Dagestan's Shamil Abdurakimov. Dropping him early in round two with a blistering right cross, then stopping him with ground and pound. A powerful pressure fighter, Dawkins has some excellent boxing skills, landing nine punches per minute, using a solid jab to set up his powerful right cross, and is also a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, boasting a perfect 100% takedown defense. Derek Lewis, 36 years old, he's six foot three with a 79-inch reach and a record of 25, 8, and 1 with 20 knockouts. From Houston, Texas, 
Lewis began training in boxing at the age of 17 under the tutelage of former heavyweight champion George Foreman. He was arrested after his high school graduation for assault, and two years later, while attending Kilgore College on a football scholarship, was arrested again for aggravated assault, violating his probation, and resulting in him serving a a three-and-a-half-year prison sentence. Upon his release, he began training in MMA and in 2009 had his first amateur fight losing by TKO. He won his next three and in April 2010 made his professional debut defeating Nick Mitchell by second-round knockout. He lost his next fight but then won his next three by stoppage before losing a unanimous decision to Tony Johnson in his Bellator debut in 2011. He then went 7-0-1 with seven knockouts before getting knocked out by a right hook from Matt Mitrione followed by a heel hook loss to Sean Jordan. He bounced back with a six-fight win streak that saw him score a split decision over Roy Nelson and knockouts over Gabriel Gonzaga, Damian Grabowski, and Travis Brown before getting stopped in the fourth round by Mark Hunt. Eight months later, he came back knocking out Marcin Tabora and then took on future heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou in a tentative and slow-paced fight generally regarded as one of the worst in UFC history. In his next fight, he was thoroughly dominated by veteran Alexander Volkov before knocking him out with a vicious right cross with just 11 seconds left in the fight to set up a title shot against champion Daniel Cormier, which he lost by rear naked choke in round two. The following year, he was caught with a brutal right cross by Junior Dos Santos, who ended the fight with ground and pound. Eight months later, he defeated Blagoy Ivanov by decision, and in August of 2020, knocked out Alexei Olenek with a right hand followed by ground and pound. He next took on Curtis Blades, winning by second-round knockout after landing a thunderous uppercut as Blades tried for a takedown. On August 7, 2021, he faced Cyril Gaon for the interim heavyweight championship, getting outboxed and sustained heavy damage to his legs before getting stopped in round three by vicious ground and pound. Primarily a striker with devastating power in either hand, Lewis is deceptively athletic, occasionally throwing high kicks and flying knees to discourage opponents from changing levels. Despite a lack of wrestling, he boasts a 54% takedown defense and will often demonstrate his strength by simply standing up when an opponent takes his back. Will Dawkins be able to use his grappling skills and boxing ability to keep Lewis at bay? Or will the Black Beast power prove to be too much as he begins his ascent back to the top of the heavyweight division? Tune in Saturday night and let's find out. So I uh, I kind of like this Donkest fella because of how fat he is. I always like a guy who takes uh, his shot at the big time and doesn't bother to get in any kind of shape for it. Yes. I'm all for that. Uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be a battle. This is gonna be two dudes throwing hands. Uh, in in his career, uh, Lewis has been finished just the one time. It was by. Uh, Daniel Cormier, that's it. It's mostly knockouts and decisions. 
I'm, I'm going to assume, Jared, and I think these guys come in with a record 31 combined knockouts. I think there's going to be a knockout here. <laughs> oh, you're taking the under. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, I do I do think Lewis, uh, coming off the loss to Gone, I think Doc is a great, a great opponent for him, and I think it's going to be a great fight. I do think Derek Lewis, not to, maybe because I'm in this square, I have to say it, but he's going to knock him out. Just because uh, um, Jace isn't here, we got to give him his, got to <laughs> give him his shout out. Heard this guy's been jogging. I Extra like jogging. I like Dacus, but it's such a scary, scary fight. I'm not mm-hmm. a huge fan. Uh, the over under set at three and a half minus 270. I like don't like anything about this fight anybody could i mean what's the what's the plus money on lewis 129 it's like not not good enough doc is at minus 150 take it i, I you know if you if you twist my arm yeah doc for the win is the bet right and the thing is not only is it scary to bet there's also a scary fight because look Derek lewis a lot of if we're gonna be honest if we're ready for this conversation a lot of times he's losing his fight let's be honest a lot of times he's losing and then all of a sudden he just hits them, and he just sends them to the upside down. Stranger Things reference right there. I like but, that. like, that's really what it is. And to your point, Joe, about liking fat guys, that's why I like two of awesome. Dude is fat. That's it. It makes me feel better about myself. I love being able to see fat dudes be able to complete athletically on an elite, uh, elite level. It makes me feel like, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to lose weight. Let me get fatter. You know what I mean? Pride, let me ask you a question, though. Pride, let me ask you a question. If I gave you a chance to fight for the championship, I mean, wouldn't you do some setups just to try to tighten it up a little bit? Just to, just so that when you're, no. just when you're standing there that it's not all spelling out. I mean, no. I don't you know. Want, you want you're a pro athlete. Matter of fact, Joe, matter of fact, just to spite you, I'm going to get fatter. So when I guess what? Every time <laughs> I punch, my stomach punches itself. I'm going to get fatter, bro. When I'm jumping up and down, I want my stomach to clap. That is what I'm doing, bro. Tuavasi and Chris, do, do y'all thing, live y'all life. But the thing is with this, this is a scary fight. Because obviously, there, it's going to end in knockout. And the thing is, these both both of these guys have that one punch power. If I'm if I'm Derek Lewis, um, this guy, this this guy's knocked out his last five opponents. In less than 15 minutes. You're averaging yes. less than three rounds of fight and a yeah. knockout. If I'm Derek Lewis, I'm a lot more concerned with his hands than his stomach. 100%. 100%. And look, like, and, and, and it's funny you say that. The average fight time for Dawkins, three minutes, 23 seconds. That's the average fight time. Less than the last five, yeah. Exactly. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if if, if he gets a leg on. Maybe, maybe he gets sloppy. Maybe. I don't know. But. I'm gonna take. Der- By the way, Derek um, Lewis. His his nickname is the Black Beast. I petition to change that. From now, on, I'm calling him Derek. My balls is hot, Lewis. That's what I'm gonna start calling him, and I'm gonna say That's it just great. like that. Hundred percent. I'm calling him that. And the UFC missed a perfect opportunity in that. I sit him down and I say, if you're willing to change it, I will give you a title shot, and we go from there. But it's it's tough. Um, you know, um, it's going to be very interesting. You know, the, the loss against Cyril Gunn, you know, Derek Lewis, he got outboxed. Like, you put a little, you know, you put him with a little bit of a guy who who's technical, and he kind of looks like in this weird position where it's like, you know, 
Wilder-esque where it's like, if I can't knock you out, I'm now on an island all by myself and I really can't do much. So maybe if Chris Dawkins comes out and does that, maybe, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Derek Lewis just be, only because of the fact that, again, for a guy his size, Jay said in the breakdown, he'll throw, he'll throw jumping knees, bro. Like he'll do, he'll do just a little bit extra to keep you at bay. And sometimes him being at bay, maybe yeah. that's just a little extra he needs. But I'm gonna go with Derek. The balls is hot, Lewis. I, I, I'm, I'm totally with Tony. I'm totally with Tony. Lewis waits too long, gets picked apart. This guy, this guy's got mm-hmm. 15 fights, one decision. Five, he's seen five second rounds and nine first round stoppages. And and the over under is three and a half. <laughs> Take the under. <laughs> Parlay it with something because it's two seventy, and I like Dawkins. You know, again, I think this is a guy. If you look at Derek Lewis's resume, I'll I'll go from his last fight till it stops getting interesting. Sarah Gone, Curtis Blades, Alexi Olenek, Alir Latifi. Um, Junior Dos Santos, Daniel Cormier, Alexander Volkov, Francis Ngannou, Marcin Tabura, Mark Hunt. I mean, this guy, this guy only gets in the ring with the greats. And I will say this about Derek Lewis, and you, everything you guys have said about him is right. He waits too long. He doesn't create opportunities. He waits for that uppercut, but he's landed it so many times. Mm. And a big part of the reason is Cyril Gon hurt him. A lot of these other cats, Junior Dos Santos hurt him. Most of these other guys have not hurt Daniel Lewis. Uh, Daniel Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> these guys have not hurt Derek Lewis. That's the reason they haven't been able to finish him off. Mark Hunt hurt Derek Lewis, finished him. If you can't rattle the big guy's brains, fry him up for a minute, he's, he's always going to be a danger to turn around and knock you out. So whether whether uh, or not uh, Dawkins is able to hurt Lewis is what's going to matter here because if you go if you go five rounds and Dawkins hasn't done actual damage to Lewis, then Lewis will will finish him and find a way to do it at some point before that fight is over. I didn't want to make this joke, but I'm going to. Is anyone else really glad Chris Dawkins gave up law enforcement? For a career he clearly belongs in. Like, imagine that dude walking the beat last summer. That would have been, that could have been problematic, is I guess all I'm trying to say. I've got another suggestion uh, besides, my balls is hot. Maybe his nickname is Daniel or uh, Derek, I drink your milkshake, Lewis. I That's like also that acceptable. And by the way, also acceptable. If we're doing it, I want Chris's nickname to be law enforcement. We will never get over the fact that this man was involved in law enforcement. So as a fun little winking nod to you, Joe, his his nickname is going to be law enforcement. How about got the drop? Chris got the drop, Dacus. (laughs) I like this. Meanwhile, boys, there is another fight this weekend. It's not one that's going to have nearly the action or the professionalism. I break down Paul versus Woodley too. Right after this. 
It's coming. <laughs> versus Tyron Woodley 2. Bill, this Leave No Doubt features a professional boxing rematch between Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley live in Tampa, Florida. Let's break it down. Jake Paul is 24 years old. He's 5'10 with his 76-inch reach and a record of 4-0 with three knockouts. From Cleveland, Ohio, Paul and his older brother Logan rose to fame with an out-defunct site, Vine, rebuilt a massive following of 5.3 million through pranks and stunt videos. Throughout his career, he's been known for becoming embroiled in numerous controversies, both in his personal and professional life, leading to a beef with internet personality KS1 and his brother. On August 25th, 2018, the Paul brothers, Tom, the Odalani brothers, in exhibition fights held in Manchester Arena with Jake winning via fifth-round TKO, got caught with a series of unanswered punches, and his corner threw in the towel. Originally calling out singer Chris Brown for his professional debut, he instead settled on fellow YouTuber Addison Gibb as the co-main event with world champion Demetrius Andrade. Paul won the fight, stopping Gibb halfway through round one. On November 28, 2020, Paul faced professional basketball player Nate Robinson on the undercard of the Roy Jones vs. Mike Tyson exhibition. At the 1 minute 24 second mark of the second round, Paul knocked Robinson out cold with a brutal right cross. In April of 2021, after months of back-and-forth trash talk, Paul took on former Bellator and one champion Ben Askren, dominating him from the start and knocking him out 1 minute and 59 seconds into the first round. On August 29, 2021, Paul took on former UFC middleweight champion Tyron Woodley, who was making his pro debut in boxing. Paul was forced to fight past his second round for the first time in his career, took quite a beating, but managed to edge out a split decision victory. On October 29, 2021, it was announced Jake was going to fight Tommy Fury. However, on December 6, it was announced Fury had pulled out due to a rib injury, and Tyron Woodley stepped into his place for a rematch. Though he still has a limited skill set, Paul is an aggressive pressure fighter with explosive power in his right hand. Tyron Woodley is 39 years old. He's 5'9", with a 74-inch reach and a record of 19-7-1 with seven knockouts and five submissions. From Ferguson, Missouri, Woodley, a natural athlete, was a football and wrestling standout in high school, winning the state wrestling championship and going on to become a two-time All-American at Mizzou. After graduating with a degree in economics, he turned his attention to mixed martial arts, and after going 7-0 as an amateur, he made his professional debut in February of 2009 with a first-round TKO. Later that year, he made his strike force debut with a first-round stoppage, and after going 10-0 with six stoppages, he took on Nate Marquardt for the vacant welterweight title, losing via fourth-round knockout. In 2013, he made his UFC debut, knocking out Jay Heron in round one, then dropped a split decision at Jake Fields before finishing out the year with a brutal counter-right cross knockout of Josh Koscik. In 2014, he stopped Carlos Cotto with a leg kick, then dropped a decision to Rory McDonald, followed by a split decision over Kevin Gastelum and a first-round cross knockout of Robbie Lawler to win the UFC welterweight title. In his first defense, he battled challenger Stephen Wonderboy Thompson to a draw, and in the rematch four months later, won by a hard-fought majority decision. He defended his belt twice more with a unanimous decision over Damian Maia, followed by a second-round Bravo choke submission of Darren Till before having his three-year reign end with a wide unanimous decision loss to Kamara Usman. Following a decision loss to Gilbert Burns, he took on longtime rival and former training partner Colby Covington, getting dominated for most of the fight, 
before verbally submitting due to a rib injury in the fifth round. On March 27, 2021, in his final fight of the UFC contract, he took on Vicente Luque, coming out uncharacteristically aggressive with both men rocking each other multiple times before Luque submitted him in the first round with a Bravo choke. The following month at the Jake Paul vs. Ben Askren fight, Woodley, a longtime teammate of Askren, got into a verbal altercation with Paul, challenging him to a fight after Askren was knocked out in the first round. August 29th of 2021, Woodley made his pro boxing debut and despite dominating a lot of the fight and taking Paul into the second round for the first time in his career, Woodley lost by split decision. On December 6th, it was announced Woodley would step in for the injured Tommy Fury and rematch Jake Paul. A patient counter-striker, Woodley has world-class wrestling abilities, but over the last eight years in the UFC, has developed excellent boxing skills and possesses thunderous one-punch knockout power. Does Woodley, at 39 years old, still possess the combination of skills and power to put an end to the hype train? Or will Jake Paul be able to prove to the world once and for all he's a legitimate fighter as he continues progressing towards bigger fights? Tune in Saturday night to Woodley versus Paul 2. Leave no doubt. And let's find out. I don't even need to think about this. I mean, listen, if, if this fight is real and there's no contract stipulations saying otherwise, and I don't know if that's the case, then Woodley would beat this guy to a pulp every single time out. Let's be honest. He's a, 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 an incredible fighter compared to the skill set and the likes of somebody like Jake Paul. By the way, it took me a little extra time to do this video because for about the first 40 minutes I was working on it, I thought it was Logan Paul. I don't even know which one of these idiots is which. I don't care. And I'm honestly waiting for somebody to knock one of the Paul brothers' heads clean off his shoulders so we can stop this nonsense. The Paul bearers are... I. I was the muted. Paul, Paul go ahead, go ahead, Gary. Paul Bears? Paul Brothers. I meant Paul Brothers. Paul Bears. <laughs> this was my favorite part because of the delivery. It was so professional. Billed as a professional <laughs> boxing rematch. Yeah, but, but, but guys, hold on. But you, guys, had to, you had to take a keen ear to catch that one. I like But guys, it's bringing more eyes for boxing. <clears throat> take the over. <laughs> like what are we doing? Yeah, uh, hey, that, that, this is the argument I made the other day. Is financially, it doesn't make sense for Woodley to win. For anybody, there's nobody in that room that it makes it more sense for them to fight. Even Tyrone Woodley, it doesn't make more sense for you to win. <laughs> like I'm not sure there's a single person. Oh God. He runs his it's mouth and there's people Parkinson's. that don't like him. Oh, my oh! Joe. Joe. Joe is, oh, yo. But, uh, Joe, I agree with you. 100%. Look, this is Joe. Not too often Nobody I had to simultaneous punchlines and like the other one better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Circle gets a spur on that one, too. Look, I'm just going to say this. Ooh. I'm, I'm going I'm to say this, and then, you know, you guys. I had a Twitch me. reflex joke that I steered clear of. <laughs> Look, I'm just going to say this and move on. Um. There, there, there's idiots out there that says this is going to be a good fight. There's morons out there that says, oh, it's bringing ice to boxing. If you have any of those stances, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, this is a waste of time, waste of money. Um, this just, this is waste of oxygen, waste of trees. Um, they're inside and it's a waste of rain. Like, let's just call it what it is. This is top to bottom, a complete, utterly, utterly waste of everyone's time. The only people who are going to tune in are the morons. 
who just, you know, that are like, oh my God, I like Jake Paul. Like, that's really it. Um, Tyron Woodley, he's a sellout. You know what I mean? All that stuff. Going to get out of my chat. I'm not watching it. I don't care because if you think about it, if Tyron Woodley wins, what's going to happen? Nothing. And if Jake Paul wins, what's going to happen? Nothing. This doesn't mean anything at all. I'm very upset at Tommy Fury because I thought Tommy Fury was going to do it. I don't know if the injury is legit or not. I don't know. Um, I, I don't want to say I hope it's a legit injury, but I hope it's a legit injury. Because if you pulled out because you're scared of Jake Paul, your dad's going to beat the mess out of you, and so is Tyson. Like, you're going to have two men in your family who won't beat the snot out of you. This is a joke, and if you defend it, you yourself are a joke. And this is why I this is why I don't talk to a lot of people pertaining to this, because there's always that one person who defends it and says, oh, it's bringing ice to boxing. Well, let me ask you a question. Go, let me let me know. If you go say Vasily Lomachenko, ask how many of those eyes know who that is. Go ask some of those mm. eyes who Ryan Garcia, who Tank David, who all these guys are, and then tell me in my face it's, it's bringing ice to boxing. Do better. This is a joke. Go ahead, Jerry. Here's the problem I have is that uh is that we're these are some intelligent minds right here. Not to blow our horns, but we keep our ears to the ground. We know what's going on, and we're giving you some pretty intelligent takes here. Now, uh Pride said something about not knowing whether this injury is legitimate. Okay, you know, and one could make the argument. You want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Joe said something about clauses in the contract that they're that have come out that are questionable. And that's okay. You'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I mean, I could see why that argument would be made. The problem I have is whether it's one or the other or the third, I could name three or four more things like that. These guys are not being honest with the public. They're not being honest with their fans about what's really going on in there. And to tell you what's really going on, which parts they're being dishonest about, take the over. That's all I can say is that the idea here is probably whichever of those things are true so that nobody gets hurt. Yep. And look, they're they're selling us scrub scraps as professional fights. (laughs) Take the over. Basically, they are. And that's the only only reason we like it at all. The only thing we will tolerate about it is that, uh, yes, this, this, this will eventually open up the way to. Uh, scrub scraps in the idea of pride that you and I can go duke it out in a ring somewhere as, right, right. as amateurs and, and 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 solve our problems once and for all. And that's like one of the most minor parts of what scrub scraps does, but it's out there. Um, look at the at the end of the day, pride. I, I think you're exactly right. You know, I, I think on the one hand, yeah, this does bring some attention to boxing, and maybe the wrong attention to boxing but it's boxing nonetheless and you're right and not enough people know who Lomachenko is not enough people know who Terrence Crawford is and that's a real shame and if this clown brother can do anything to help people become more aware of who's out there boxing I'm for it that said if this guy wants to be a boxer the 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 first step he's gonna have to take he's gonna have to fight an active ranked boxer and fight in a sanctioned fight because otherwise these are like these are like recreational fights these aren't these aren't the real deal so get serious either go all in and do it or or don't do it but right um that's you that's know, why that's why that's why when Floyd fought Logan that's why I gave that a little bit more respect cuz at no point was was anyone trying to sell this was legit they were like look this is an exhibition this is this is they say legit. They say, and if they did they that, that's another the story. 
Yeah. I still don't think it's good. But at least at the at, to Jerry's point, you're not lying. You're not telling us, oh, this is legit. Oh, by the way, um, yo, uh, T Wood, let's practice how you're gonna fall. Like, come on, son. Like, Bro, listen, not better. for nothing, but but think about this: the biggest WWE and AEW wrestling fans all know it's fake. Yes, they know exactly what's going on there. They know what the deal is, and, we and they still and they, enjoy it. They abide by the rules based on it's Look. fake, and I can react based Look. on that from there. I so. know, I know that CM Punk doesn't really hate MJF, but when they cut their promos, I enjoy it. I knew back then Randy, Randy Orton, and, and John Cena. I knew they were chilling, eating pizza on the back. I knew that, but I enjoyed it. The end of the year, Triple H versus Under. I knew it was fake. So you can have something fake and ha- still have it be entertaining. But again, bringing more ice to boxing. My sisters used to watch Guiding Light. That's your response to that statement. They know That's it's hilarious. Fake. Exactly. Same so. deal. <laughs> All right, uh, this card tonight's pretty solid. In addition to Lewis and uh, Bacchus, I'm very excited about it. And I guess these guys have been sort of lined up for uh, a while. But uh, Stephen Thompson and Belial Muhammad are going at it tonight. And here's the interesting thing. Where Wonderboy is ranked fifth in the welterweight division, uh, Muhammad's tenth. And he's the best favorite here, plus 180. Is Wonderboy done, Jared, or uh, what's going on with that? I, I was shocked to see that for a minute. I am taking that 180, boy. Um, I think it's a good fight, and I, 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 I really, really like Thompson as prime. I don't think he's there anymore. I think Wonderboy's a little past it, and the stronger and more thorough and direct fighter here. Muhammad's going to find a way to make him fight. And when he does that, it's going to be a problem for Wonderboy. And I, I agree with Jared. Look, I look at Stephen Wonderboy Thompson the same way I look at Tiago Santos. They're starting to get older. They're not who they were. And the next loss, the next loss, they're going to any type of co- co- title contention going to go out the window. Yeah. So and Tony nailed right there. If he right can't, there. if he can't beat Muhammad. It's time. You need to retire. And it's not because Muhammad is trash or nothing. It's not that. But it just shows you're just not that guy anymore. It's a shame, but it's a fact. Because let's say he goes through him. Is he beating Is he beating Masvidal right now? Kobe Covington? Is he beating, let's say he gets through them. Is he beating Kamara Usman? Like, the, the road to get back up there, it's a long one. And the next loss Stephen Wonderboy takes, bro, he's going to have to just retire. And it, it's a shame, but... That's how it goes. That's what happens in the nature of the game. Yep, that's just how it is. Jared, your your girl uh, Angela Hill is fighting tonight. She's a plus two eighty against Amanda Lemos, who's minus three sixty five. Raphael the Sun Cow is fighting a bantamweight fight against Ricky Simon. And if you don't know who Ricky Simon is, he has got a mullet like you cannot believe. I hope he's got that for the fight tonight. Uh, and Cub Swanson and Darren Elkins. Uh, going at it in the uh, the geriatric division. Uh, I feel like these two guys have been around a really long time, uh, but I think this is going to make for a pretty solid card for tonight for sure. 
Uh, now rattling off the whole puncher's chance here. Spoiler alert. Am I doing that? Because listen, we're gonna take a quick break. We're doing the puncher's chance, and we'll finish strong with the flurry right after that. So, Jess, why did you become a realtor? I worked in a various customer service jobs, so I wanted something a little bit more rewarding. Um, becoming a real estate agent, being able to help people find their forever homes or their investment homes, starter homes. It's very exciting. So, a lot of fun. Now, you've gotten off to a really good start in your real estate career. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you so far? Helping people, especially like first time home buyers, um, finding their first home. They're so excited. Um, I'm so excited to help them. So it's a nice, rewarding part. What is it that you think makes you different than other real estate agents? I think that my various roles in customer service has helped me. So. I like to ask a lot of questions and I want to know what I'm doing. So I think that helps a lot because I'm not going to steer people the wrong way. I'm going to make sure they have knowledgeable decisions um, and help them find the right home. The last thing I want to ask you is, and I know these are words that you live by, but the mantra at CTBB Realty is people over paychecks do the damn thing. And that's what we do. If you're looking for a real estate agent, you to get Jess right now from BBCT Realty is absolutely fantastic. Give her a call. Uh, you can find her link at clippercrestmedia.com. All right. Now, Jared, I did, I did, I guess I spilled the beans a little bit. I got excited here. Um, let's talk about your puncher's chance. Yeah, yeah. You jumped ahead and then you jumped ahead again. My fight of the night is Derek Chisora. Heavyweight Derek Tashore upsets Joseph Parker at plus 210. Not my puncher's chance. My fight of the night for the very first time since the start of puncher chance. We are going MMA instead of boxing. I like too many of these underdogs not to share them with you. Muhammad Ferreira, Asuncial, Hudsucker, and Yule. This is the round robin parlay. You hit any two of these. It's $26. You hit any two of these, it's still a loss, but you get three, four, five. I think the full boat is uh two grand. Two, excuse me. 450. Looks like the full pull would be 450 if you win all five fights. It's a $16 ticket. Nice. Everybody got that? That sink in for everybody? You want to make some money today? That's the way you're going to do it. Just want to throw it out there. Um, I know this isn't fighting, but uh, Kevin Durant, he's in the COVID, uh, COVID protocols. So, if so anyone, he'll likely uh, lose his next fight. Is that what yes, saying? he will. That, that's basically I'm just saying, how so that's For fantasy purposes, if you have him, take him out. Just throwing that out there. Um, Jared, I'm going to take – I'm, I'm going to trust you. All right, I, that thing right there, I'm going to do it. All right, I'm going to trust you. I've heard nothing but great things about you when it comes to this, this weird world that's called betting. If it's I fail, 16 $1 bets, so at worst, you're out 16 bucks. And I'm going to tell you this right now, Jared. If it fails, I'm going to have to speak to your manager. I'm just, I'm going to be a total Karen. <laughs> I'm telling you, Joe, you will have a formal complaint written in a letter, bro. It's gonna be formal. I'm 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 gonna print it on like legit. I'm I'm mailing it. 
I'm male. That's how legit I'm gonna be. I'm a male. I'm gonna be a petty female. Hey, I'm, I'm Sander. Sander says the methods tried and true, brother. I've heard nothing but good things, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the plunge. I'm gonna take the plunge for you. All right, Jared, you got a flurry for today? I sure do. So what does it mean to be institutionalized? A lot of people go into places, prisons, treatment centers, residential programs, foster care, a bell rings, some food comes out. I'm going to give you an example in my life. This is a little bit personal, but uh, I'm not always the greatest at uh, eating, feeding myself. And some of it, I think, is due to being institutionalized half of my life. You know, I three times a day, a bell went off and there was a tray and I was eating. So it wasn't something I ever accustomed myself to making a meal and cleaning some dishes and stuff. Um, that said, I heard one of the most fascinating quotes I've heard all year, and I've been just stuck on it for days. So I'm doing my best to work my way toward that. Um, this ties into the boxing game because you see these fighters that seem to be a product of institutionalism. Jake Paul, um, Tank Davis, Adrian Broner, Deontay Wilder. When I think about what it means to be institutionalized, I look at what the game has done to these guys and I say, they're institutionalized. Now, as many of you know, I've been running all over the place trying to sell uh, my mental health treatment boxing program, Scrub Scraps, to the world. And I think it belongs in places where people are struggling and dealing with trauma. Institutions is where I think Scrub Scraps belong. So you've got these places with your 85% of people that get out of jail are back in jail within the next two years. 85%. That's your success rate that you're working with if you're part of these institutions that are trying to help that number. 92% relapse rate when they've, let, when they've gotten to that level of treatment. That's your success rate, 8%. So whenever I hear a no to scrub scraps from one of these institutions, that that's not the direction we're trying to go. I can't help but go back and go, but you're, what you're doing is failing and we need some new stuff here. And so last, last, last night, my best friend Dizzle said to me, what happens in our society when it isn't the individuals that are institutionalized? but instead the institutions themselves. They're unwilling to change. They're failing and they're so stuck that they can't see solutions that are gonna work. The boxing game, what happens when it isn't the fighters that are institutionalized? What if it isn't those guys that there's something wrong with, but a system that's kind of creating these and spitting them out one at a time. And when will we start to recognize it and change the pattern? Because we can change the pattern in boxing with scrub scraps.
And we can change that pattern in our society with scrub scraps. It seems we've come to a time where it's not the individuals who are institutionalized among us. It's the institutions themselves. Thanks, guys. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Chowing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting CloverCrestMedia.com. All right, uh, Jared, thank you for that flurry. A big thank you to Riley Barrett Valdez, a.k.a. Pride, his podcast, Prideful Takes. What do you do, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if I'm not mistaken? Pride? My dumbass. I've been, I've been using streamer for so long, and I still don't know I have myself muted. Like, I need to grow up. I need to grow up, seriously. Um, yes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Um, if, it's, if it has a ball or a puck or just grown men, pause. I talk about it. All right. Good, good. My, uh, <laughs> my, I hope you don't mind if I jump back in here. Yeah. Uh, my, da- my daughter reached for a cup. Um, her cup was set away from her dinner plate. This is a couple months ago, and she reached for a cup, and I started to cry because I wanted to protect my plate right there. Mm. I had this savage, instinctual, institutionalized thing happen to me where my adolescent daughter was reaching for a cup of water and I felt the need to protect myself. Uh, It's what happened. Sanders says his uncle was institutionalized and the way he was vicious. Yeah, if you ever thought I care about what food tastes like or what I'm getting in my body, you've never seen me tear up a chicken wing over a sink. Or garbage, you know, I'm literally just getting the nutrients and stuff I need into my body to to keep it to keep it moving, you know. Yeah. <laughs> literally and figuratively. Uh, but that's that's just how it happens. You get to a point where, you know, you eat like that and you're protecting your food and you never I had a psychologist say to me, You gotta figure out how to put the safety on the gun and put the gun in your closet. Maybe tuck it under your belt at first. But right now, you've just got this live, no safety pistol. You're ready to buck off on anything that moves. And you're not in a position where you need to be shooting anything anymore. So first, just throw the safety on and see how you feel. Then tuck it in the waistline and see how you feel. And eventually, you'll still have that if you need it. But it'll be tucked away somewhere with the safety on so that you're not hurting innocent people. That's like a second flurry today. Thank you, Jared. <laughs> this was just as, as good as the first one. Again, big thanks to Pride. Uh, and thank you for Jace Garcia. Uh, miss you today, buddy. Uh, but thank you again for uh, for the uh, Lewis Dawkins, uh preview. We do appreciate that. We'll be back here next Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Full recaps and previews and all things combat sports. For more, visit clovercrestmedia.com backslash throwing jazz.
throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner men, punching in with a puncher's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave, feet a step late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bringing crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry of curtains, from scrub scraps to fight stats, relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs.